So, um, Book of Joshua is is not uh, a book from the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures that we often take a look at, but certain parts of this reading are probably familiar to some of you. The book of Joshua is, is, is early on. It, it, is, it is a turning point, or it recounts, rather, a, a turning point in the lives of God's people who went from wandering people, nomadic, to settling, to finding their place through conquest, and all records seem to indicate with not a whole lot of resistance. They took these places where they lived, the vineyards and, and all that, that, that is mentioned in the text, and made it their own. The book of Joshua is closely tied to the book of Deuteronomy, um, Deuteronomy being the book that, that uh, talks a lot about God's benevolence and the absolute requirement that the faithful follow the law therein. And Deuteronomy lays out the law very clearly and in great detail. So the law is primarily built around following the one, the one God. And that has to be total allegiance without question. I mean, when you hear parts of the scripture, it just seems kind of grim, right? It's like, wow, really? That's, God's going to do that if we don't follow God? Wow, that's, that's a lot. So Joshua is, is getting up in years uh, through this book. And, and this book was also put together by a lot of different uh, persons uh, for the purpose of furthering this narrative of the people and their development. And the book dramatically concludes with, with the text that we, was read today, and I, I purposefully wanted you to hear the whole thing. It is important to know that it is set and addressing a time in the lives of the people where as people of God, they were monotheistic. And so the law was, you worship this one God and no others. And all around them in this area and in this time, and one might say today as well, there were other religions, other people of different faiths, worshiping in a polytheistic sort of faith, in other words, many different gods, or fertility gods. And so uh, some of them were simply fertility cults. The challenge came for the, for the people, God's people. They were kind of mixing them together. One of the things that's interesting to note, and it's just a fact of the matter, is that some of the fertility cults especially would set up temples, and within those temples there would be prostitutes. And one means of worship would be to engage with those prostitutes. So you had men predominantly from Hebrew faith and Israelites going to these temples. It was a problem, and people knew it. It's not expressly indicated in this text, but it's there, and it's a part of the dynamic that's important to know. 
So they were being lured in different ways into these different cultures, these different ways of believing that go beyond the covenant that is made here. And so Joshua takes this powerful stand in the midst of all that kind of competition and says, this is the way it's going to be, folks. And he says, it's your choice. You can do it and be faithful to this one God or not. But if you say yes, it better be yes, or here are the consequences. It doesn't sound too fun if you don't abide, right? So it really feels harsh in some ways, but there's also this dynamic happening where there's a lot of interplay between the religions and not a lot of allegiance at that point. People perhaps have become comfortable. In this setting, Joshua seems to be speaking for his whole family when he says, you know, as for me and my house, we're going we're to serve the Lord. That's not uncommon back then for one person. It doesn't mean the, the other parts of his family didn't have their own ideas or ways of thinking about it. But usually one person, often a male leader, would be the one to articulate their beliefs. Those things are important as, as background for you to be aware of. As we, as we consider this. So the covenant is made at the end. And the challenge then, when, 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 when Joshua lays it all out there and says, this is what you've got to do, the challenge just to the people is, from him, is, I don't think you're going to do it. I don't think you've got it in you to make this happen. And what do the people do? They turn right around and say, oh, yeah, we're, we're up for this. We're, we're, we're fully on board. We're going to do exactly what you say. How many of you think that turned out that way? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't see any hands shooting up in the air. Um, we know that doesn't turn out that way. How, how can someone live into this unbending, uh, all-or-nothing kind of approach? I can tell you as a pastor, I can't. I can't do that. I have my own doubts. I have my own times where I, where I fall or, or slide, if you will. But they make the covenant nonetheless. Verse 18, Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. That comes from, that's, that's a key verse in here that gets, gets missed a lot. That comes from Deuteronomy 6 and what's known as the Shema. I think that's how you pronounce it, which is, is a key piece for persons in the Jewish faith uh, to, to, to live out their faith is to worship and live into fully with every fiber of their being what it means to love and to follow the one God. That's it. Nothing more. But it's a part of their worship every day to bring that forward every time they're in temple even to this day. So here we have in the midst of all of this um, something that, uh, to use a more modern day kind of term, code switching happening. Uh, Joshua saying, this is what you're going to do. The people saying, yes, we'll do it, but we know darn good and well, on the other hand, they're probably not going to be faithful to that for long before things change again. Code switching, I, have, I, I looked it up, I, I'd, I'd heard about this before, and uh, if you think about a couple of examples of that, uh, 
I have a friend who's fluent both in Spanish and, and English, and he can talk with others like him, and they can use interchangeably the, the, same, the, the two languages in a conversation in a very smooth way. It's kind of interesting. Uh, sometimes it's not about differences in language, but maybe the way you talk. I know for myself, growing up uh, in uh, South Central Kansas, close to the Oklahoma border, I can start, when I go down there and hang out with my friends for a while, I'll start talking a little bit more like an Okie. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I don't say hi. People from Oklahoma say, hey. <laughs> I start doing those kinds of things. So how we talk, use of languages, uh, and, and the, 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 that's a way of code shifting. We, we say or do things one way, but maybe mean another. I'm suspecting that many of you who served in the military have a sense of what that's about. You're in, a, you're in different cultures if you've traveled abroad, either in times of peace or war. You have to switch from, when you're with friends, from that military conversation or jargon to a more casual way with family and friends. You speak to your commander in a very different way than you might speak when you purchase something from a market in an Afghan village, for instance. It's not like, unlike a, you know, the expression of, you know, what, what hat are you wearing today? You know, is it your work hat, your play hat, whatever? And uh, it's just the way it is, that, that there's, there's places in our lives where we adapt and do things differently. And for me, that's, that's what helps me live into this text and, and its seemingly unrealistic demands to live into the text and see that as they're developing their idea of what a promised land looks like, as they're speaking out and covenanting about how they will worship Yahweh, the one God in this land of many gods, they will worship this one. They make that promise. They choose and they say, no more of this code switching, no more of back and forth, no more chameleon-like behavior. We're gonna be one person. We're gonna live according to this law. So Joshua gathers the people together. It's kind of this culminating moment in the book and, and, and really for the people where they make this covenant together. They've come out of Egypt, out of bondage, and, and now they're free. Now they're making choices for their, for their own lives and the way they will live. And he says, choose this day. He's basically saying, stop being bilingual, be unilingual, to put it another way. And the people seem quite ready to do that. We will serve the Lord. But then he places the condition on them. I'm not so sure you will. Still wanting sincerity, he says, you are witnesses. I love this. And it wasn't in this translation, but it is in uh, New Revised. Um, you are witnesses against yourselves. I love the way he puts that. That's powerful, isn't it? So he makes this covenant with the people and they pledge to serve God. He says, also, you must decide. So Latin derivation of decide is to, to cut off. You know, you're going you're gonna to no longer do this. 
and you're going to do this. The biblical story calls us to think about our relationship as Christians, of our, of our faith in God and our walk with Christ. It's not explicit in that text, nor did they have any concept of that at the time Joshua was put together and written. But we do. And we can take that text and, and, and bring it into our own life as Christians, as persons of faith who follow Christ. For me, the way I take a look at it is this. We covenant. Marisha and Tony, where'd you go? I think they're in Sunday school with the kids. Oh, there you are. There you are. So um, you made a covenant today to follow Christ. All of you have done this, who've, who've joined the church, either through baptism or, or coming into membership. You make this covenant to follow Christ. And it's a day-by-day -day thing. Are we going to be perfect at it? Are we going to ever live up to Joshua's expectations? I don't know how. I really want to talk to a rabbi about this one. I need to know more from their perspective. But day by day. Some people say, well, there's times where you backslide. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before. People who backslide, they go, they go backwards in their faith. I, I have a hard time living into that term. I don't think it's backsliding. I think it's just being human. We make mistakes. We go the wrong direction. We say or do the wrong thing from time to time. How do we re regroup? How do we double down and live into it again? Recommit time and time again. And we know we have this God. We have, we have in our lives this person, Jesus the Christ, who continues to love us, to give us grace unending, it's overflowing. There is no condemnation at the end as long as we work into it again, as long as we acknowledge our wrongdoings and live and choose to turn into a different way of being, then we know grace. And there are Jesus' words in Luke 9, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Well, that, again, that seems real harsh. But overwhelmingly, throughout the gospel texts, we hear about a forgiving and loving God who never gives up on us, who's ceaselessly working in our lives. How can we ever think of ourselves as unredeemable? We shouldn't. There's always hope. And there's always another chance. Several years ago, I was sitting with uh, uh, a gentleman in uh, hospice. Um, in the last several days of his life, we were still able to have a conversation. And in it, we, we talked about, you know, what was to come. Letting him guide the conversation in his whisper. He told me that because of his faith... And because of the, uh, this concept of a, of a God that loved him always, no matter what he had done in his life, it was enough. Because God was there with him. He felt it. He knew it. He had no qualms about it. We're sitting there together having a, a brunch, <laughs> if you will. Two small pieces of quiche, one for each of us sitting there munching on that and talking theology. 
But ultimately, it wasn't about the nature or the type of God. It wasn't about him receiving forgiveness. It wasn't about uh, trying to figure it all out. It was about the assurance, the sure and, and certain assurance that God's love and grace through Jesus Christ was there for him his entire life, and especially in that very moment, just days before he died. Joshua is a powerful book. I read it. It's, it's complicated. There's, there's a lot of uh, unfamiliar uh, names and tribes mentioned in there, but there are pieces in there when studied that are very powerful. So I invite you to do that. But just to remember simply this, there is no code, so to speak. There is only the plain stated aspect of the gospel text of an always loving, always forgiving, ceaselessly working God made known to us in Jesus Christ. Simple as that, folks. We are blessed by that. Be blessed this day with that word. Amen. Amen.